Hey everyone, welcome to Be The Change. My name is Lily Mott, and today I'm going to be talking about how change comes when you do something that scares you every day. My guest this week is Phoebe L. Hansen, and she is a climate advocate, a student, a coordinator of Mock Cop, a co-founder of Teach the Teacher, and much more. I got to talk with Phoebe about her work as a climate advocate in her home country of the UK and around the world. So without further ado, let's get started with this episode featuring Phoebe L. Hansen. Hi, I'm Phoebe L. Hansen. Um, I am 21 and I'm an advocate focused on democratizing climate solutions, so bridging the gap between young people and policymakers. I coordinated an initiative called MockCop26, now called MockCop, which was a virtual youth climate conference that convened over 800 young people from over 140 countries to form policy proposals and to collaborate with leaders like the COP26 president and the UN Youth Envoy. And working to enact those proposals, I created a joint event with the UK presidency at COP26, which facilitated pledges on climate education from 25 countries, including the UK in its climate change strategy within Department for Education, which was the first of its kind. And I was very honoured to be able to advise on that alongside an incredible panel of other young people. That is a great way to get started. And I'm really excited to talk with you more about MockCop and this work that you're doing as a climate advocate. So I would love to know more about your background and what inspired you to get started with this work. Can you tell me more about what got you to this point as a climate advocate? Yeah, of course. Um, My work is kind of shifting right now, actually. So it's an interesting time to ask that question. I'm the daughter of a teacher. Uh, which I talk about all the time. Um, if you if you Google my name, it will be Phoebe's daughter. Phoebe's mom is a teacher. Um, but I'm the daughter of a teacher, which means that I've grown up around education. I probably spent more time in a classroom than outside of it when I was growing up. Um, my mum taught at the school that I went to. So <laughs> all of my time was spent in the same kinds of classrooms, which gave me a real appreciation of the power that education holds to be able to transform realities and transform ambitions and also when it comes to tackling a crisis like climate change we were just talking about um just before we started recording um mobilizing young people on the streets uh, either in black lives matter or in the climate movement and i think that is real testament to the power that education and the power that young people as a whole and bring to things like climate solutions, the energy and the innovation and the kind of unprecedented level of solutions um, that young people can bring to these conversations. So I'm shifting a little bit from a lot of my background has been climate education. It's been, I co-founded an initiative called Teach the Teacher, which was where we supported students in 20 countries to go and teach their teachers about climate change. And now I'm looking to move that into the multilateral space to move it into how can we get young people into these policy spaces how can we make sure that multilateral spaces like cops aren't democratically unviable that they have the consent or the informed understanding of the people that they are representing and affecting how do we make sure that we don't leave people behind in the climate conversation That is really interesting. And both of my parents are actually teachers and they taught in my schools growing up. So I definitely resonate with that passion for education. And when you said you grew up more in the classroom than not in the classroom, definitely relate to that. So thank you for sharing that. 
I recently moved to Wales, and I would love to know more about the climate crisis, specifically in the UK, where you're based now and where you've been doing this work. Can you tell me more about your experience with the climate crisis in the UK? Of course, climate change is affecting every person and every community and every country differently around the world. But can you share your thoughts on how the climate movement in the UK has changed over your time as a climate advocate? Of course. Um, something that my friends will always know that I'm really passionate about is the unique ecology of the UK, which seems kind of lateral to the point of climate action, but I think it's a really important thing to mention. The UK, and particularly my region of the UK and your region of the UK in Wales, is home to one of the most rare habitats in the world, the temperate rainforest habitat, um, which is a carbon sink not unlike the Amazon rainforest, its tropical rainforest cousins. It's incredible and it has inspired works like the Mabinogi and it's inspired so many incredible works of Welsh literature that are so critical to our culture. It's an, it's an incredible environment and I think the UK's climate and environmental commitments is built on that backdrop. It's built on the way that we have a, a unique, as every country does, perspective on, on nature and the environment. I think there have been so many things that have happened recently and probably not many of them that I can comment on, but I think what has really, what what has what I've seen specifically within the last couple of years is how much people are willing to change, how much people are willing to take on new information and change their minds and learn. I've met so many people that were at first unwilling to talk to me about climate change or like taking action in their own lives, whether that be the traditional forms that we see that or whether that be voting or whether that be um, like signing petitions, campaigning. I Some people that I would never have expected to get to this point, to get to the point of doing those kinds of actions are now at that point and they're now engaging with this conversation. And we're seeing that shift after the COP26 presidency that it's a part of the mainstream dialogue in a way that we've never seen before. And I think that's really important and it's really incredible that people within the UK approach climate change in that way. We are leaders in a lot of respects. Um, in a lot of respects, we also aren't. But I think it should never be downplayed how much so many people, like normal everyday people going about their lives, have taken on this challenge and have taken on the solutions to that challenge. That's really interesting. And it's exciting to hear that more people are willing to speak with you about this issue. So kind of a big question here. But as far as your advocacy, what are your hopes for the future? What are you hoping will change in the future when it comes to climate change and the work that you're doing? I mean, I'd like to see more people in, in climate policymaking. I'd like to see more young people in policymaking full stop. Um, but most specifically, I would like in the UK, but also in other countries, that to be a specific place for a young person on the state delegation, on the like country negotiating team, on the, the team that my country would send to the COP conferences. I want that to be a space for a young person. At the UN level, I want that to be a definition of what that youth delegate position should mean, because it varies so wildly by country. Um, young people have this really I wrote my dissertation on this. <laughs> Young people have this really unique position in climate negotiations where we're simultaneously 
um, seen to be apprentices, like the people that should be interning, taking notes in the corner and learning from our elders, and the people that are pushing the boundaries in a way that older people can't, and being the activists and being the ones that can shout and set the uh, tone for a conference. We have these two completely polar opposite roles we're expected to take on. And I would really like there to be a definition of what a youth delegate is within the UN climate change, but also the UN space as a whole in other conferences like it, that can help to define what the role of a young person can be. And also that they get sufficient capacity building and resources to allow them to compete on the same level as adult delegates. Because something that I see so, so often is young people left sleeping on the floors of hotel receptions or sleeping in awful situations and in, in rooms with loads of people within them who can't afford to eat like we saw in Egypt, who can't afford the food within the conference centre, they can't find water, um, they don't have access to basic necessities that their counterparts on country delegations have the funding to be able to access. And it gives us this kind of inherent unbalance between um, the two different groups. So we can never have a fully balanced conversation between young people and adults because there's such an inherent disadvantage. So what I'd really like to see is, I mean, more young people engaging at the kind of entry level to the climate conversation, engaging within climate, engaging in what that will mean for their future and what that will mean for um, the, the kind of decisions that they will have to make in their working life. But what I also want to see is for the young people that are already engaged, they have the opportunities to be able to take that engagement somewhere. I think there's a lot of young people now who are leaving campaigning, leaving climate work because there's not really anywhere they can go. And I would really like for that not to be the case. I'd really like there to be places where young people can make a difference and can do the things they want to do. That is such an interesting point about the role of young people that I hadn't really thought about in that way, but you put it so succinctly. On one hand, young people are wanting to make noise and fight for change and hold our leaders accountable. But on the other hand, we're also often working as interns or volunteers and we're training and supporting, or I guess we're, we're in training and we're supporting these leaders and institutions. So those definitely are two conflicting roles. And I think that's really interesting to consider. I have one more question for you. Lots of young people want to create change and make a difference, but they may not know how to get started with that work. What advice would you have for those people who may be listening? I mean, I would speak specifically within my space, my kind of like politics space. Um, I am not from a background that is normally represented within the spaces that I have been very lucky to inhabit. I mean, I've spoken to so many senior ministers and so many people I never would have thought that I've been able to access and genuinely the way that I got there, because I didn't start my climate campaigning until I think about a month before I started university. Um, and obviously university in the UK is three years. So this has been sort of three years in the making, which realistically is not a very long time. And I think the way that I did it was every week, normally less than that, I tried to do something that scared me. I tried to do something like um, cold messaging somebody on LinkedIn that was doing a really cool job um, or asking a course mate out for coffee was one of the first things that I did and being like, hi, and talking about politics and all the things that we were interested in. And it kind of builds up. And now I can cold message people on LinkedIn and it doesn't phase me in the slightest. I can do all of these things and it it isn't something that I really think about. And that's incredible when it comes to social mobility and when it comes to getting into a space like this. Um, and I think that's probably the best way, even though that's not a very 
I mean, I guess it is tangible, but it's not like you need to go to this organization and do this thing. And that's your pathway. It's different for every person. Um, but what I would say is, additionally, um, use all of the opportunities that you have available to you. I know so many people that feel so guilty about taking opportunities that they don't think that their situation, especially when it comes to like um, opportunities for people from underserved communities, they don't feel like their situation is bad enough to warrant getting that opportunity. If you're eligible for that opportunity, it is intended for you. Please take it and please access the organisations and the support that you can access, because that's what's going to make the difference is when you get to the level that I am at, which is just starting my master's degree. I'm looking at graduate positions. I've been in that kind of bubble. You really start to see the difference between people who came in the UK, especially who've got a real big division between state education and private education. And you really start to see that divide. So if there are ways that you can start to equalize that and start to make sure that that divide isn't such a like huge dip, like it's something that's a little bit more shallow and you can have conversations on a similar kind of level, that is huge. And that is something that you should really, really take up. I really enjoyed this conversation with Phoebe, and I think she offered so many important pieces of advice. My favorite part of this conversation was when Phoebe talked about how she challenged herself to do something that scared her every day. She started out with cold messaging people on LinkedIn and asking a friend for coffee, and now those are small actions to Phoebe that no longer scare her. Phoebe's advice is an exciting challenge because you can start with small actions and gradually move on to bigger, scarier actions as you feel more comfortable and more confident in yourself. I am inspired by this challenge from Phoebe and also Eleanor Roosevelt, and I am definitely keeping their words in mind because change comes when you do something that scares you every day. Thank you so much for listening to this episode, and you can find Phoebe on Instagram at Phoebe L. Hansen to get connected with her. If you want to talk about anything I mentioned, please reach out to me by email at lily at bethechangepodcast.org or on Instagram at bethechangepodcast. Tune in for my next episode, but until then, be the change you wish to see in the world. Bye, guys.